Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Go to God's Word. I want you to turn with me to our first major passage will be in 2 Chronicles. That's over in your Old Testament. Second Chronicles today, we'll spend a good bit of our time in the Proverbs. Thank you so much, Deborah, Pastor Wayne, praise team. What a blessing you all are. You bless and encourage all of us all the time. Sharon is on a family obligation today. Be back with us next week. Thank all of you. Thank all of you. It's a sacrifice for you to come. I know that. Thank all of you. There's really no substitute for being around the people of God and joining together in worship. We praise Him for it. Father, we commit the word to you today. We ask you for wisdom. We thank you for the promise. James 1 5 that if we'll ask for wisdom you will grant it so Lord we open uh, we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart that you would give us the spirit of wisdom the word of wisdom the gift of wisdom the impartation of wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit in the Word of God we cry out to you in faith knowing and believing that when we ask we receive in Jesus name Amen. So in our wisdom clinic today, and by the way, before I get going, I want to thank the Lord also for his blessing uh, on Buzzville. Buzz uh, had a cardiac uh, event this week, and the Lord sustained him, used uh, skillful surgeons, and uh, he is uh, doing well. Uh, I understand Dell and We've been praying for both of you this week, and we, we praise the Lord for his intervention. You guys are uh, dear to us. In our Wisdom Clinic, uh, this session, uh, session six, learning to choose your battles. Uh, I think all of us uh, have been around long enough to know, if you don't know this, you will know, that uh, battles come. And uh, in this world, Jesus said, there is Philipsis, tribulation, all kind of turmoil. Be of good cheer, though, he said. I have overcome the world. All of us face battles because we're in a war. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 is very clear, and that is that we're to always put on the full and entire armor of God that we may be able to stand firm against the evil one, because our struggle is really not with people. It's not with flesh and blood. It's with principalities and powers and world forces of this darkness. And we are to put on the only armor that will win every time. And uh, that is described for us in the beautiful passage in Ephesians 6. We've got to always get dressed in our armor, the armor of God. 
We have to know. We need wisdom to know. Not just that we have opposition, we know that, but we need to know how, when, where to engage when battles come. Sometimes we need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. We're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, if you'll go there with me, please. Other times, we will have to engage in righteous confrontation. Prayer and worship and the Word of God are always the connectors to the Lord's wisdom and the ability to resolve the battles that we have to face. Sometimes we need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Let's look at this passage here <coughs> in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. An amazing thing was going on. The king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, and the people of God, his covenant people, were in an, a, a whole lot of mess. Because, as we see in verse 1, there were all kind of enemies that had come against them. The people of Moab, the people of Ammon, and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat, the people of God. And uh, the verse, uh, verse 2 says, A great multitude uh, is coming against you, said a messenger. They're all over. And Jehoshaphat, verse 3, did what probably you and I would do too when you found out that you're fixing to be hit with something that's bigger than you. You may not be facing the ites uh, today, but I promise you that all of us are faced with enemies that are bigger than us. And Jehoshaphat feared, verse 3. But notice what he did with his fear. He set himself to seek the Lord. We are, listen, it is okay for us to have an initial emotion of fear. It's normal and human. It's what we do with that fear. Notice the right thing to do with your fears. He set himself to seek the Lord. The first thing he did when this came against him was he went to the Lord. He even proclaimed a fast throughout all the nation of Judah. And Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. But I want you to um, skip over here into verse uh, 12. There was a heart cry led by the very king, and he said, Oh, our God, will you not judge them, our enemies? We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Have you ever felt like when something or someone came against you that you were overwhelmed and it was bigger than you? Bigger than you. Bigger than you. When you know that it's bigger than you, you're in a good place. Because now you have the opportunity to respond to the God who is bigger than all of it. So he says here, Do you not know, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What a great thing to say. Otis, I don't know what to do. That's not weakness. 
In your dealing with the Lord, it is the perfect thing to say to him is, my Father, my God, I don't know what to do. Because when you admit you don't know what to do, when you're in the, in the process of seeking him, now you, are, now you are qualifying yourself to hear from him who does know what to do. But if you continue to insist, well, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to make this happen, I'm going to get this resolved without seeking the one that you are totally dependent on, now you got a mess. Things only get more confusing. So when we are facing a battle, the first thing we should do is humble ourselves before God and say, I don't know what to do, but you do. Notice after this confession, God, this is overwhelming. I don't know what to do. Notice verse 14, the Lord spoke then. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the, the son of Zechariah, a prophet. And this is what he said, verse 15. Listen, all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and listen, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor be dismayed, that is, overwhelmed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, it is God's. You know the way to not be overwhelmed is to know whose battle it is. If you continue to insist that it's up to you to make it work. It is up to you to, to, to figure out how to battle, when to battle, who to battle, and how to get it done right. When you are, you're going to get overwhelmed. But the, the key is to go before the Lord when you see this battle coming and say, I don't know what to do, but under, I understand I am your man, I am your woman. This battle is not mine, it's yours. Then he says, verse 16, first of all, understand whose battle it is. 16, go down against them, and they will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find, verse 16, you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. And notice verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. What good would it do anyway when you are absolutely overwhelmed with so much opposition? You won't need to fight in this battle. Why? Because you have humbled yourself and admitted that it's in God's hands. You can't fix it. It's too big for you. You will not need to fight in this battle. But you do need to position yourself. Oh, now, how, how, what's the difference here? What's this? He didn't say to run from it. Get in position. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And notice what Jehoshaphat, he is the king. He's the man. Notice what he did. He bowed himself with his face to the ground. 
Would to God we had leadership who would humble themselves. Who would quit acting so arrogant like they're the king of the world. But would humble themselves. And he bowed before the Lord in front of everybody. And he began to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. God give us leadership like that. Then the Levites, the priests, the children of the Kohathites, they were leaders in worship. The children of the Kohathites, the leaders of worship, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. On the very precipice of an overwhelming battle, they humbled themselves and they got in a position of praise and worship. Keys to winning is recognize whose battle it is. Get humble yourself and recognize and begin to get in a place of praise and worship. Notice what happened. They went up before Jehoshaphat and said, Hear me, Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you'll be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed, listen to this, verse 21, this is amazing. When he had consulted with the people, this is the king, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. How many leaders of a nation who's going out to battle call for the, 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 the group in front to be the choir, the praise team? God does. Psalm 22, 3 says, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. If you are about to go into a battle, get into a place of praise. It attracts the presence of God. It builds your faith. And notice what else it does. This is amazing. Verse 22, now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Amnon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Now, wait a minute. Let me see if I got this straight. When they begin to humble themselves, call out on God and recognize that it was up to God to do the fighting, they were going to get in position. They were going to stay in a position of prayer and praise God turned the enemies against themselves. They defeated themselves. There was a spirit of confusion. There was a spirit of, of assaulting each other. One, one of the ways we need to pray is for the demonic spirits who are attacking the church, who are attacking our nation, would get confused and turn against each other. See, the devil's not omniscient. 
Verse 23, for the people of Amnon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not really fighting against uh, an army that I can see with guns. And listen, I've seen this happen over and over again. When you, begin to, when you begin to humble yourself and call on God, when you begin to remove your own emotions and you go to God and you understand to, that you need to stand still and see the salvation of your God, when you begin to obey that, God sends confusion into the enemy camp. Do you know that spirits of disorder and deceit will turn against themselves? Maybe in the battles that you are facing or that are facing your loved ones, maybe one of the ways you need to pray is to go before God to humble yourself, to admit that the battle is His, it's not yours, but get in position. You can't run from it. you got to get in position and face these battles in prayer and praise and worship, remembering who your king and champion is. And you know what? I bet you'll see that the enemy will be turning against himself. One of the greatest things you can ever do is pray that, the, that there will come confusion in the enemy's count that is assaulting you and the people you love. So when we are facing battles, sometimes we need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord because, listen, listen to this very carefully. It's not on your outline. I want you to listen to it. I believe the Lord gave it to me. If you go into battle too quickly, you may interrupt the Lord's work to resolve the battle. If you rush in there too quickly, you may get in the Lord's way of resolving it on His own. I can tell you every time I have gotten engaged in uh, warfare too quickly, I've made a mess. Can anybody say, me too, Pastor? If you go to battle too quickly, you may interrupt the Lord's work to resolve it. James 1, 19 and 20 says, let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Let's look now in Proverbs. What happens when we are in the teeth of a battle? Understand the perspective of battle comes from your relationship with God. That is where we need to understand and get perspective of whose battle it is. When we have to position ourselves and when we are in conflict, sometimes conflicts are inevitable. Let's look at uh, Proverbs 
And uh, I want to go to chapter 9. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom to reveal who, when, where, and how to confront. Does that matter? Does it matter when you engage in a battle? Does it matter when, how you go about it? We need to understand that if we go about it wrong, if we don't receive wisdom, we can win an argument and lose a battle. We can lose a person. It's more important to to lose a battle and gain a person than it is to win an argument and lose a person. It's possible to win a battle and lose a war. So we need to understand by the wisdom of God who, when, where, and how to confront. Now let's look here at chapter 9. Here are some some things we need to understand in wisdom. Verse 7, he who corrects a scoffer, a scoffer is somebody who's gotten in a position of mocking, jeering, or disrespecting the truth. Or the person who is in a righteous place. The Bible says, don't think that it's up to you to go correct somebody who's already made up their mind to mock, jeer, and disrespect the truth. You might as well not try to argue with an unreasonable person. You can't reason with an unreasonable person. It does you no good. It wastes your energy and your words. Wisdom would say that when you know that somebody is mocking, jeering, disrespecting the truth, that it is not up to you to correct them. Now, you can engage with them. You can listen. You can love. But it does you no good to correct somebody who is not willing to receive. You know, one of the greatest marks of maturity is somebody who's willing to receive correction. The Lord told me that. (laughs) And at this place of being a bishop and overseer of other ministries, one of the things that blesses me to no end, one of the things that makes me entrust everything that I know and have to others is they are willing to receive correction. And they receive it. Don't run off like little babies and get their feelings hurt and uh, pout and all that. They receive it gratefully knowing that the Lord, none of us knows it all. He who is over me in the Lord and has been for many times, by uh, times when I would go to him, I have received, I have received correction. That is a blessing. If you run from correction, you are immature. But you've got to learn that not everybody is able to receive correction and you will be wasting energy, time, and effort if that person is not willing to receive correction. How would I know? A scoffer mocks and jeers and disrespects the truth. And, um, well, I want to show you something else here in verse 
8, do not correct, correct a scoffer lest he hate you. All you're going to do is get rejected and hated. But look at the end of verse 8. Rebuke, correct a wise man, and he will love you. He will love you. Wisdom also discerns how much we should say when we're in a battle. Remember James 1, 19 and 20, what did we say? That powerful passage. Let everyone be, everybody say it with me, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Woo, what a principle for entering into confrontation, right? Quick to hear. Let me listen. Help me understand what you're trying to say. Slow to speak. He who restrains his words is wise, Proverbs says. And slow to anger. See, if I get angry, then my emotions are going to blow up the bridge I'm trying to build. When you get into confrontation, you're going to either build a bridge or blow up a bridge. Be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now let's look at Proverbs chapter 10. You're still there, I hope. Proverbs 10. And let's go to verse 19. When you're in a place of confrontation, when there are battles, here's what wisdom says, verse 19. In the multitudes of words, sin is not lacking. He who restrains his lips is wise. Everybody say it with me. The more I speak, the more apt I am to sin. James 3 says, if anyone can control the tongue, he's a perfect man. And the, and the context is nobody can do it. But the Holy Spirit of God can. He's the spirit of self-control. Now I need to surrender to that. Oh, I want to show you something that is, is uh, let's go to chapter 17 of Proverbs. We're still there. Chapter 17, Proverbs, verse 27. So the more I talk, the more I'm apt to Do something, say something wrong. Verse 27, are you there? I'm glad you are, I'm not. Here we go. <laughs> I heard that laugh over there, miss. <laughs> she laughs at me a lot, but it's all good. It's all good. Verse 27, he who has knowledge spares his words. And a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Before you go into any kind of confrontation, ask the Lord to give you a calm spirit. Look at verse 28. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perspective. Wisdom. 
discerns when we need to instruct or share, tell somebody what we think they need to know. But wisdom also lets us know when they're not able to see, receive. Mark 4 is a great little passage there. If you, you, in verse 35, the word says that Jesus had to speak to them in parables because they were not, listen, they were not able to hear and receive what he was saying. When you're trying to teach somebody something, if they're not, if you perceive in the spirit that they're not able to receive it, don't keep on going with it. All you'll do is, is here's something, Jesus didn't keep on going because the more revelation he gave, the more responsible they were to, to obey it. And all that was doing was adding judgment to them. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, I, I had to feed you milk. I couldn't feed you solid food because you, you were not able. You were not able. So when you get into a battle in confrontation, ask the Spirit to direct you. Don't try to tell somebody something they're not able to receive. It won't work. It won't work. How would I know? Only the Spirit of God can teach you because, see, He's the Spirit of truth. And the Bible says He will guide you into all the truth. So always ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and to guide you whenever you're in that situation. All right, let's go to chapter 26 of Proverbs. Chapter 26. To learn when and whether to speak, we've also got to understand that we don't need to talk too much. We also need to understand that we need to submit the battle to the Lord, but we also need to learn how to stay in our lane. You need to learn how to stay in our lane. Verse 17, chapter 26, he who, this is hilarious, but it's so true. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel that is not his own is like one who takes a dog by the ears. Now, if you don't have dogs, you don't understand that. But if you're walking by and you see a dog laying there minding his or her own business and you reach over and grab that dog by the ears, you may be in ER before you know it. This is a, a great passage. So, as much as we would like to get involved sometimes when, when there's, all right, I'm fixing to get in your business just a little bit. Um, if your parents of married sons and daughters uh, you really need wisdom uh, about getting involved in their issues. You can make a mess. You can shut down communication. Don't get involved in a quarrel that's not your own. That's why I'm so popular, uh, all these words that... Uh, Make us squirm a little bit. 
That was a joke. All right. Those of you who are in, uh, let's look at verse 20 also. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no tail bearer, strife ceases. If people are constantly gossiping and telling something that they want to know about somebody else or asking about it, strife ceases. Do you know how dangerous strife is? James says that the beginning of strife opens the door to confusion in every evil thing. We need to learn that strife is not something that pleases our Lord. We need to submit our tongue. We need to submit our, our own thoughts and desires and to stay in our lane. And, and it's, it's fine and good to stand up for what the convictions that the Lord has given us, but it's not okay to try to force somebody else to believe and act and think like we do. It's counterproductive. And strife will bring, listen, strife grieves the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is, I don't care if it's a family, I don't care if it's a church, I don't care if it's a business, where there's strife in that home, where there's strife in that church, where there's strife in that business, the door to confusion and every evil thing is open. And I promise you, there are demonic spirits waiting at that door ready to get involved. Stop strife when you see it begin to get loose and say, I will not get into that. I'm not going to have it. And you need to pray that over your home, that this will not be a home where there's strife. We'll talk about our disagreements and where there's authority when there are disagreements, everybody ought to at least agree that unless it is counter to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the character of God, that authority ought to be submitted to. Where there's no authority, there's strife. And that's whether it's in a home, a business, a church, you name it. There has to be order. We shouldn't run from confrontation, it's inevitable, but we should always approach it with prayer, seeking wisdom and self-control, and the love of God. The love of God always wins. The love of, and, and do you know something? The only thing you're afraid of is something that is not permeated by the love of God. The only people you're afraid of are those that you need to do some more work to receive the love of God for. Because perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love. 1 John 4. Forgiving our enemies is required by our Lord. And the Lord will enable us. He'll give us the grace to do that. He won't force you against your will, but boy, He will give you grace when you submit your will to Him. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean you join forces with somebody. There are irre irreconcilable differences, you know. Yeah, there are. 
Forgiving doesn't mean that you, that you give up the truth. It doesn't mean that you join force with something that is not operating in the righteousness of God. It doesn't mean that you have to affirm uh, and endorse somebody else's choices. It doesn't mean that because you forgive somebody that you're endorsing their behavior. Forgiveness is a requirement. Endorsement is not. In fact, it's not right to endorse sin. Always ask the Lord to go before you, with you, and behind you when there are battles. Ask him to go before you, with you, and behind you. And if you sense that you're about to go into the context of something where there will be battles, do a lot of praying. Sometimes when I've gone into contexts where there are personality or fleshly battles, I've spent some time before I even get there praying. Sometimes I've walked off from where everybody else is. I guess everybody thought I was a social prude. But I've walked off from where they are and just engaged in some prayer. Not because I'm righteous, but because I know sometimes I get weak in my own flesh and I just have to step away and reconnect with the Spirit of God and try to get my act together. Anybody else feel that way? That's not weakness. Forgiveness is essential. We don't have to endorse sin. We shouldn't. But cry out to God for wisdom and recognize that the battle is the Lord's. If it's submitted to him, it's his. End result. When you position yourself, go and stay in a position of prayer and praise in the word of God. It's the atmosphere in which the Lord is able to win. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. The wisdom of God. What a precious gift. How many of you would say today, Pastor, the Spirit of the Lord has given me instruction through His Word today. And I would ask that you would just join with me in asking the Lord for wisdom in some circumstances and situations that I'm facing that the Word, the will, the Spirit of God would prevail. That I'd listen to His voice. That I would recognize that it's not up to me to fix anybody or anything. It's up to me to stay in obedience to the One who loves me and gave Himself for who alone has the ability to resolve. I'll show up. I'll humble myself. I'll pray. And I will stay in a position of praise and worship. And I believe that my God has not changed, that He will bring confusion into the enemy's camp. And I'll give him all the glory, the honor, and the praise 
with a victory. If that's your prayer today, would you just slip up your hand right where you sit? Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Father, you see all this response. You know these hearts. You know these motives. Grant the prayers of these with hands lifted, those who are listening virtually, Lord, speak to them as well. Bring resolution. We'll give you the glory and the honor and praise for your mighty power to reconcile. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for your attendance today. I look forward to seeing you next week as we continue the wisdom clinic. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.